And good morning, everybody. Afternoon, evening, however you're tuning in. Welcome. This is Lore Forged, and this is the podcast for Ashes of Creation. We are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by Sonny. I don't have any witty thing to say other than I'm just happy to be doing this show with you guys. Just happy to be here. I feel like this is a positive experience, and I'm going to bring the heat tonight. You're bringing the heat. Bringing the heat, like Randy Johnson about to detonate a bird. (laughs) I still watch that video because it's so It's the greatest video of all time. (laughs) It is the single greatest sports clip in the history of sports. Randy Johnson, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we should introduce Cash and then I'll tell this story. Oh, yes. And then uh, also on the docket, our close friend, Cash is here. I really love how you consider my feelings. Like that makes me feel super warm and fuzzy. (laughs) about it and i might dis i might disagree with you on the greatest moment in sports history or stack of greatest moments in sports history but i'll let you go first you know sports way better than i do so you're gonna have to come up with something good because this is probably one of my favorite sporting events ever and it is captured perfectly on video <laughs> and you can see this anywhere so much so that like every now and then they write articles about it for example i just looked this up and usa today on march 24th 2022 said it's been uh <laughs> it's been like 20 years since randy johnson detonated a bird uh, <laughs> randy johnson was a pitcher for the arizona diamondbacks i, I believe he played for a couple other teams uh, in his history but um he was like seven foot eight. Okay. And he was a pitcher and he threw so freaking hard. It was crazy. Like people, people feared Randy Johnson's fastball for the majority of his career. He was well known to be one of the hardest pitchers ever. Well, on this particular day, this was March 24th, 2001 in a spring training game against the San Francisco Giants in the seventh inning, he throws a fastball, and at that exact moment, a bird flies into the path of the fastball, and it absolutely explodes. (laughs) (laughs) This ball could not have hit this bird any more square, and you just see this explosion of feathers, and everyone kind of stops, and they're like, did that really just happened and it's perfectly captured on video and it's it's unbelievable this year i the reason why i reference this is because i just saw somebody as like the all-time greatest halloween costume and it was a guy with a full mullet and an arizona diamondbacks jersey on and then his girlfriend was dressed as a white bird with blood (laughs) all over her and like feathers coming off and it was to commemorate this event it I just can't, I cannot express to you. If you have not seen this video, you have to watch it. It is probably the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in sports. I love it. I love it. And I, okay, I digress. You do, you win on it. But the one that, the thing that I was talking about, I guess it's like one of the best stories in in sports history and it has to do with baseball. I absolutely loved watching Jim Abbott pitch. If you don't know who Jim Abbott was, Jim Abbott had one arm and this guy would throw rockets. He threw a freaking no hitter against the Cleveland Indians years and years ago when he was playing for the Yankees. And I just 
If you just have never seen it, Google Jim Abbott and watch the way that his technique is when he goes into his windup, he throws this ball, and real quick, Mm -hmm. he puts on his glove because Mm -hmm. he only has... On the other hand, right? So he throws it with that hand, and then on on the hand that he just on his stump hand. Yes, yes, it is just absolutely incredible. So it's anyway crazy. You're right. Jim Abbott is one of the best stories in sports, and and it's not like Jim Abbott was out there as some sort of charity thing. That guy was a legit major league pitcher. Just great. That's a good one. I haven't thought of Jim Abbott in a long time, but that is a great Jim Abbott is a great story. Did he bat too? I think he was in the league that didn't bat. I think they pinch hit. They, you know, well, no, they wouldn't have pinch hit him, right? Because he was American League, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, and I don't know baseball well enough, but one of the leagues doesn't yeah. have their pitchers bat. So I think he was yeah. in that league. Huh. I mean, there you, go. you can only ask so much of Jim Abbott. <laughs> You're already a major <laughs> league pitcher with one <laughs> hand. <laughs> or me with technical sports questions. <laughs> so I'm not really a sports guy. But, oh. yeah, anyway. Well, gentlemen, it's good to be back in the hot seat. And just a quick thing before we go any further. Next week is going to be Thanksgiving here in the U.S. of A. To all of you who are not from the U.S.A. don't know what's going on. So we are going to, to celebrate the holiday, excuse me, take the week off. And so we'll be having this episode release, and then we'll be having a week off. Coming back, I believe it is the 4th. Yeah, December 4th. Yeah, but we will still be releasing videos next week. Yep, that'll still be a thing. On the YouTubes. Yep. Just won't be a podcast. So anyway, just want to give you a heads up on what is going down. But gentlemen, we got all kinds of fun things to talk about. So tonight on the show, we're bringing back. Check out this thing on Reddit. That's an oldie but a goodie. Haven't done that one for a while. And then a roundtable discussion on quite possibly the one thing that makes an MMO great above everything else. You can have every feature in the game. You can make it perfect visually. You can do all the things, but it comes down to community. So we're going to be talking about guilds and alliances and national creation, kind of building uh, from the standpoint of building communities. And so, uh, yeah, welcome, everybody. But, uh, Sonny, what is this thing? I purposely don't check it before the show because I, I, I like You're not it. supposed to check it. Oh, good. Yeah, you're, You guys are banned from doing that. Oh, okay. And on that note... <laughs> Oops. That's exactly what we're talking about. So the question on Reddit, I've actually been saving this one for two months. Uh, this one I found quite a while ago. Uh, the person who put it on here is Mr. Michibayo. <laughs> I hate Reddit names. Uh, so <laughs> the, I always have to be careful. Like, oh, nope, I said a terrible word <laughs> by accident. Uh, so he writes on here, bannable offenses in Alpha 2. And the quote at the beginning is, I was just sitting here wondering to myself, I wonder if there'll be any bannable offenses in Alpha 2. What are people's thoughts around any sort of punishment during Alpha 2? Of course, they want slash need people to grief, exploit, and expose flawed systems during the test so that they can be patched and worked on. Yada, yada, yada. He goes on and he basically says, it's just an interesting thought. Um, as I've seen Steven talk about being pretty harsh with punishments for breaking rules at full release. So I'm going to sort of summarize like kind of what he's getting at here. And the, the, the question is this one, is there going to be anything that you can do in alpha two that you think would actually get you banned? And then on the converse of that, Is there anything that you think, you two, 
Cash and JB, that is worth banning a person once you get to a full release, right? So Alpha 2 is like a testing phase, so we're just going to have to kind of embrace that there might be some things that maybe get a little bit uh, allowed. Um, so that's my two-part question for you. Two parts. One, anything you think will be banned, uh, bannable in Alpha 2, and then two, what's worth banning somebody for in full release in your opinion? Yeah, I think um, I think the easy answer to that is they are going to have a terms of service in place. Like whenever, whenever anybody plays an online game where you're playing with other people, everybody has to check that little box that you have read the terms of service. Now, whether or not you actually do read the terms of service is another story. And if anybody out there says that you actually read through all the terms of service, you're full of poop because uh, I know you don't. And everybody <laughs> checks the box. Or you used to be a contract attorney. There's that as well. <laughs> Are you telling me that you read? Heck yeah. Terms of service, don't. baby. Do you really? <laughs> Sometimes. I won't do the Blizzard ones because they don't change anything. They just keep updating it. How do you know if you don't read it? Yeah, I know. You're a terrible <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> no, but I think oh, I think anything that is that's against their terms of service, and they're they're gonna have those those little intricate things that we, we might not pick up right now. But if you think about things like, you know, say griefing, for example, um, it's kind of built into the game. I mean, risk versus reward. You go out and, and you get camped. It sucks to get camped. We all know that. But they've already said that there's going to be there's going to be minimal, if not any. They're going to just people are going to have to sort stuff like that out on their own. I think any exploits right off the bat, they're going to want to gather data on so they know how to fix those, how to close those holes. But once those holes are closed, if somebody continues to do something that's right along or tries to continue doing something that's right along the same vein and it and it has become part of the TOS, I think those are bannable offenses. So, for hmm. instance, if there's if there's an exploit to where you know, say the world doesn't quite come together and you can get from like point A to point B by like sneaking through or glitching through or something like that. And they have said, we know about this. Um, we're working on a fix for this. Please do not do that. And they catch you doing it. Yeah. Outski, you're done. Thanks for reporting it. But we're working on fixing it. Don't break our game. Don't use exploits. So exploits that they already know about, that they're working on a fix, and they've asked you not to exploit. Those are bannable offenses. In the alpha? In, yeah. In, in any In every release. So you're, you're basically saying no distinction between the alpha bannable offenses and the full release bannable yeah, offenses? Yeah, well, because, yeah, I think in both cases, they're going to want to know about that. I mean, imagine... Imagine taking advantage of an exploit, especially in alpha testing and not reporting it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's it, I kind of think that's your that's a responsibility that, to to do that. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit less leeway for for taking advantage of an exploit like that, that you don't report. Am I saying that you should be held to report it? No, I just think that's good etiquette to report something like that, especially in an alpha. But I just think there's going to be a lot less. Uh, reporting or a lot less um, banning bannable offenses during the alpha for things like griefing or camping or, you know, if it goes against their terms of service where a person's like using 
you know, racial slurs and or they're using, you know, like sexual slurs or something like that. That's a different story because that's going to be against their TOS. So those are bannable offenses. JB. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with agree with him as well. And I think it's I'm going to make one addition to it. I think this is an addition, maybe kind of similar to what you've already said. But, you know, when it comes when I think of an alpha, particularly, it's the whole point is to really test it. I want to test the limits. If there is a duplication bug, I want to know about it. Like, and by that, I mean, I want, if I experience it, I want to know it's there so I can pass it along. Like, hey, this is happening for feedback so it can get fixed. Not so I can keep doing it. That's pointless and stupid. But I think that whenever you, like, I want to find those things. I want to find those bugs. Uh, hopefully I find, I don't find, you know, I mean, the goal is right. Like everything's running like it should be, but we know it's going to need to be tested, right? So the the realistic thing is things are going to happen, and I want to find those things. I want to whatever that is, so I can report it. And but the the, the like that's the professional side of it. The not so professional side is don't be that guy. So like don't do something out of the order. <laughs> go out of your way to affect other people's gameplay experiences. That to me is that's a good one. You know, like that to me is is what it is like if that's a bannable offense when what you're doing is affecting other people's gameplay experience and it could be monetarily through the economy it could be um maybe someone something that somebody's doing cash is making that the the most i want to interrupt you so bad face so just go ahead and do it (laughs) okay but is is pvping and killing somebody and then sitting on their corpse during their corpse runs and killing them again, is that not affecting their gameplay? I mean... Do you want me to answer for you? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You know, you know there, there, it's a great point, though, because, like, in some games, for example, I've been kicked out. I got kicked out of... Uh, what is the World War II game we play all the time? Hell at Loose. Uh, that, Hell at Loose, yeah. Hell at Loose. For example, I was a sniper in Hell Let Loose. And as a sniper, you get way down, way down into the enemy line so you can get towards the artillery. Well, I was killing their guys that were trying to get to the artillery. And all of a sudden, I got booted out of the game. I'm like, what in the hell just happened? And I found out that I got kicked out of the game for spawn camping. I had no intentions of actually doing this, but I was so far behind enemy lines that I was actually killing them at their spawn node when they were coming around trying to get to the artillery. And that was against their terms of service. Was that not a server admin that did that though? Oh yes, it was a server admin. Okay. So it was a server, but they, they I guess maybe terms of service is strong on that, right? Yeah, like maybe they, you should have read them. Server. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. I see what happened here. <laughs> Sustained. <laughs> we all PVP here. Like, what? what is that line? Where? Do, well, I don't think we've ever even thought about talking about this on the show. This is kind of fun. So where is that line? Like, after you Welcome killed to KOTOR. Some, <laughs> welcome to KOTOR. Um, where is that line for PVP where it becomes trolling versus killing the other player? I think it depends on the game, right? Like, it really depends on the game that some games are... Like, Sea of Thieves is another great example that, like, it is pirating, right? There are there are people on ships, and their whole goal is to go out and sink other players. That's all they want to do is ruin other players' game experience via 
Cannonball, right? And Cutlass. That is the whole thing. They're pirates. It's built into the game. And so Sea of Thieves has struggled with this forever, trying to have an experience for people that want to enjoy the game, but don't want to be ganked. And then at the same time, provide a pirate experience for people that want to pirate. So it's it's incredibly difficult, and I think that as a game, you have to kind of draw your own line. Are you going to be a game that allows this to happen, or are you going to be a game that says, no, we're not going to allow this to happen? And either way, you have to then enforce it, which is sometimes even more difficult. Um, I think clarity, maybe the answer is clarity, like just be who you are and let everybody know what the rules are. And then if you break the rules, then you kind of just are able to point at the rules and say, look, like this is what it is. We made this decision. I like what Tested Weevil says in the chat. If you know it feels bad and it's wrong, then do not do it. I further like what he said up above. And he said, it's only a bannable offense if you get teabagged. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's an interesting line. Like, I, I, I feel like, okay, so if I'm attacking somebody, whatever, what have you, there's a certain point where I'm like, okay, you know, let you come back, do your thing. I don't know how many, how many that is, but I know it's, there's like this imaginary line, at least in my head. There's an imaginary line like, okay, make your point, but move on kind of thing. Now, the question is also raised, what if the person you are killing is somebody who's been going out of their way to annihilate your guild members, number one. Number two, shatter your economy by constantly over-foraging your area. And number three, trying to do all kinds of other uh, political espionage from another node. Right. Then where's that line? <laughs> right. There is no line. There is you no kill line. that person until they quit the game. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. right. And, okay, so... Let's take this step further because this is this is kind of fun. This is a, a very uh, hot topic, I think. Um, my my personal line is twice. That's my personal line, right? If I get killed once, good on you. If I get killed twice and you continue to camp me, that's where I go from acceptance to I'm pissed. Now I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> like, look, dude. You have proved it twice that you can beat me in battle. And then they continue to sit on you. But mm -hmm. I also don't think in a game like Ashes, who is they have come out and said, we are not going to admin this kind of stuff. This is where you have to have guilds. You have to have alliances. You have to have people that you play with that you can lean on and say, hey, I need a little bit of help. I have this thing going on. That's fully how I expect to play the game. I absolutely believe people are going to be out there and their entire goal in playing this game is to play on red. They're going to get away with whatever they can play with. They're going to get that corruption and they'll just find a spot and log off until that corruption's gone or go, you know, go to another spot. But I think people are going to are going to kill over and over and over again. Will that a or it, in that scenario, one do you feel that at, that an admin should step in on something like that? And two, do you think it's going to drive people away from this game? I think that that's why they built a corruption system, right? Like that just means they need to tweak the corruption system because that's the whole point of it, right? A corruption system only exists to prevent people from repeatedly killing innocent people, right? You, you kill somebody, they don't fight back. They didn't want to be killed. You 
lose stats. You become a bounty. You are all the XYZ that we've talked about forever with the corruption system. You do it again, you lose more stats. Your bounty goes up. You do it again. Now, at this point, like, okay, is the corruption system functioning correctly or not? I think that Ash as an intrepid has come out by the creation of the corruption system and answered that question. Um, and so, you know, like somebody in chat, uh, Galwood said that Stephen gave a definition of targeted harassment, but is kind of loose with it. Well, you have to be kind of loose with it, right? Like it's hard to pin down exactly what this looks like, which is exactly what JB and you and me are all struggling with is how do you define exactly what this is? Because it's unique to the player, right? You, it's twice. Some people, it's 10 times. For other people, they're like, I should be able to kill a player as many times as I damn well please. You know, and so that's, that's I think, the tweaking of a corruption system. They definitely have said that we don't want people to log off because they can't accomplish anything because of griefing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, it's so subjective, it is. It is. And, and on the specific topic of, of griefing, thank you, Galwood, for for uh, posting um, this link. But he posted a link to what Stephen did recently say. And Stephen said, when we think about what is griefing, griefing isn't necessarily the realization of risk. Risk is a healthy thing. Risk makes us value reward. Without risk, we would not pursue certain achievements because anybody could achieve them. Risks ma- risk makes us have a sense of thrill or have some sense of anxiety. I love that anxiety part. And those are all emotional responses that get elicited when risk is present. So risk isn't a bad thing. We like risk, not just in PvP, but in PvE as well. When you can't always predict the environment or encounter you're a part of, risk is something like, oh, I've never seen this boss do that before. Or these ads came in at an ill-placed time. There's a trap here that I didn't experience before. There's a lot of elements that risk introduces that keep gameplay less stale, that keep it more dynamic, that introduce environments where the unexpected can occur. That is a good thing. Now the question is, when risk becomes something that doesn't stop other players from impacting your gameplay in a negative and harassing and repetitive manner, the motivation to do that action is less about their personal player or personal advancement and more about impacting your gameplay because when they elicit the response of anger or rage from the player, totally been there, they feel a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> that, in my opinion, is what griefing is. It is outside of the expectation of the gameplay behavior that is communicated in the design philosophy. Stephen Sharif. Hmm. Thanks, Galwood. Yeah, I, I mean, agreed. So they have to have some kind of, a, of an internal line, and maybe they're going to be taking it on a case-by-case basis when somebody does get reported for something like that. But hopefully, one, the corruption system takes care of much of that. And two, I hope they have a pretty healthy support um, support crew because there's going to be, if it's not, that corruption system is not super effective and gauged just right and tweaked just right. They're going to get a lot of people who complain about stuff like that. And that is when you will lose your PVE players. Intrepid is not stupid. It's a very sharp, very smart company with a very sharp, a, a, a very large amount of sharp and smart people working there. So I'm sure this is something that knowing the risk versus reward is such an integral part of the game 
this is going to be something that they are going to have a very, very good plan for internally. That's a good point. And kind of going on off that about the PVE side of things. And I believe Sonny, you were the one that posed the question. Like, does this, how does this affect the PVE crowd? Like, well, the short end is if it's not bounce right, it's absolutely going to, and it will innately already before they ever step into that game, affect the PVE crowd. There'll be PVE players who are, that's not their thing and they won't play it because of that open theme box style. When you have this kind of combat built into it, they'll automatically not not do it. And I don't, you know, it's like I'm not going to fault them for that. Everyone has their own style. Um, but it's definitely going to be a deterrent for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a, yeah. The, the game design is, is different, right? It's different by design. Um, I think that I would be surprised if we saw like bannable offenses for griefing. Um, I think that that's going to be a function of the corruption system having to take care of that. Um, to circle all the way back to the original KOTOR, I think that the bannable offenses in Alpha are going to be very few and far between, short of the obvious like racial slurs and, you know, stuff like that. You know, if you're if you're doing that at any stage of development, you know, you're out. Right, there's yeah. just Bye-bye. there's no call yep. for it. It's in all the terms and services of every yep. game that we play. It doesn't matter. It's alpha. It's beta. It's full release. You're out. The stuff that I think that is like truly bannable on a full release is going to be like, again, I go back to this a lot, but it's it's going to be your economic type of exploits, you know, your your resource exploits, your duplication type of stuff where they know this is a thing and you saw it on YouTube and you took advantage of it because you wanted a quick score that is clearly against the game design. That's going to be the kind of bannable stuff. I guess I would be surprised if we saw any bannable stuff from griefing just because they have a whole system in place to measure, you know, what that is and what the penalties are for it. So at that point, I would say it's got to just be tweaked. Sonny's already looking for ways to uh, to make counterfeit glint. It's happening. <laughs> it looks just like the real stuff. <laughs> it's going to start moving counterfeit glint and all these clandestine caravans <laughs> on, on Monday nights at wash 2 a.m. soap and all of a sudden it's glittering. Look at this stuff. It'll fool your average shopkeeper. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Gosh, it reminds me of that um, Dave Chappelle skit. <laughs> you got more of that glint? <laughs> oh yeah that's Careful. the first thing i thought of when they're like glint and he got the guy scratching his neck yeah. we're gonna get some of that glint <laughs> <laughs> well that is kotor i thought that was a particularly good one i've been sitting on that one for like two months and i'm like this is a really good question you know and it didn't get a lot of heat on there but i'm like ah oh, this this one's a good conversation I might have to go back and just kind of read through some of some of that discussion and see because I mean it's I love gamers because gamers especially gamers that that uh, frequent forums they're really really good they come up with some really good stuff if you can like weed through the trolls yeah there's some really good points that gamers bring up so and that's kind of where we're at with Reddit with this game right now right because we yeah. don't have like flashy shiny things that you can show off in reddit and so it's a lot of theoretical questions and the people that are on the ashes are there because they're really curious about the game and game development so it's it's getting more interesting as time goes on agreed agreed Mm. i feel like youtube space is like that too 
It's like I, uh, I, majority of yeah. everything, it kind of is very theoretical. Um, you know, a lot of question, assuming kind of answers. It's uh, won't be there for long though with Alpha Two. Yeah, but I, I think it's funny because as toxic as YouTube can be as well, like on our particular YouTube page, I'm always just like waiting for the trolls and they haven't shown up yet. It's been really, really nice. Like there's some really cool discussions that go on with, with uh, when we release videos and stuff. It's been fantastic. It has. I had one, though, that uh, was a very interesting, uh, a very interesting note on one of my Nikua videos. Um, so I'll have to check out the, the comment on that one that, that surprised <laughs> the heck out of me and I did not engage it. But like, yeah, they're they're out there. And as we get closer to release, this is this is exactly what I was going to kind of talk about, like. I have never covered a game this far out from a release. Mm. Um, when when we all got into SWOTOR, we were, I don't know, what, like six, eight months out? Tops, right? Like, it, it was, we were on the cusp of this thing. Uh, this is a long way from that. There's going to be systems that we see that may not look anything like when the game comes out. And so the people that are in this space right now, it is kind of fascinating to see who's doing YouTube stuff, what the comments are on YouTube, what the other, you know, what the Reddit forums look like, all of that stuff. Like, what is the mindset of a person that is interested in an MMO this far out? It's it's kind of fascinating. That's been one of the most interesting things about this particular journey for us. Forces you kind of to really reevaluate what's important to you in MMO and why it is and dissect all the layers therein but anyway well that was good i dug that um all right so roundtable discussion gentlemen guilds and alliances and ashes of creation so for those of you who don't know who are tuning in a couple things real quick number one we're going to be t- discussing guilds and alliances so when it comes to guilds a few things you need to know well, number one when you're going to form a guild at least right now this is where we're at it requires a minimum of around five players to form said guild and involves material and currency costs uh, necessi- necessitates I had to think for a minute how to say that <laughs> no that's a tough one for you <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of S's anyway necessi- <laughs> why why is there so many S's in this word <laughs> this feels obnoxious uh, so <laughs> <laughs> there is a pretty heavy quest line tied to it and a minimum level requirement for the formation. The The guild size capped at 300 members and there's a few more tidbits there as well. Now for the alliance, as far as the formation is concerned, guild leaders can create an alliance after a certain stage in guild progression by completing a quest. An alliance leader can invite up to three other guilds. Currently, it's subject to change. A guild can be a member of only one alliance and then finally, alliances have no member cap but are limited to a maximum of four guilds what do you think like you know in the formation of a guild because i this is the first time that i've ever had a situation to where you will need to complete a quest like a specific quest line in order to be eligible i love the thought of this and i i'm kind of wondering like are they vetting you out to see if like you if you have guild leader um skills like maybe like, like what do you God. think it is wow maybe you have to i go had not out. thought that that was a potential avenue for that i maybe you have to like go out and like hunt down and kill a troll or something <laughs> so they test your moderation skills that's uh, a play on words you get it like not a, 
like a troll <laughs> yeah. in the game, but like I a troll in your guild. It's well done. It's well done. We just we missed that one. I'm sorry. I feel bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Surgeon General in chat says that New World did. Do you remember that in New World? No. I don't remember no. that in New World. But I didn't no. make the guild. So. I didn't either. make the guild either. So, God, that was a great time. <laughs> we didn't have to make the guild. We didn't have to make oh, the yeah. guild. We just show up. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I, I'm just jesting. I'm just jesting, folks. Sure yes, we there's, smoke behind, there's fire behind that smoke. <laughs> there will be a Lord guild, and we're going to get way into it in this discussion. Trust me. So that's a really good point about the whole questline bit. I love the fact that they're injecting lore. I'm assuming it'll be some kind of lore experience into getting into a guild. Like, what does that look like? And I love the fact that you're making... A, a process that is is now beyond just invite and accept. Now it's something else entirely. Whenever you bring in quest line, you're bringing in lore like that. Pretty cool. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I don't have any problem with it, right? Like, it seems like something that you could. To me, if you don't have it, it's functionally just a friends list, right? You're just basically, okay, I've got a bunch of friends and I want them to have easier access to what I'm doing and we can sort of pool resources. When you have a quest line to create a guild, you're implying that this is a bigger thing that is, there's more gravitas to it, right? right? In order to create a guild, you have to go through this thing and you have to, you know, go to these various places and learn about guilds and stuff like that. And then you get to make a guild. Congratulations. As opposed to just like starting a friends list. Right. Maybe it's a tutorial about what the guild system entails like, you know, do we, like maybe it's just a simple quest like, hey, go talk to this guild emissary at, you know, location X and you go there and you just have to listen to his spiel on guilds. Um, and then maybe sure. you got to go over to um, the place where the guild hall where, the, you know, you can purchase a guild hall and, and find out like all those different things where those locations are of all these NPCs that will unlock different things for you. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's maybe it's something new and inventive and innovative <laughs> that we've never seen before. Yeah, you know? I immediately thought of the Warcraft Guild Hall like thing, right? You, you're going to get sent to a place and there's going to be a person that needs to walk you through the mechanics of what this new little feature right. is for the game. If that's the case, then OK, fine. That, you know, you, you might as well not even say it's a quest line. You, you might as well just say it's a tutorial because that's yeah. what that is. If it's a quest line, then, you know, now we, we might be in the territory of something new and inventive that's a little fun. Yeah, I think it would be I think they have they certainly have an opportunity there to to expand upon things that other games have never done before in in regards to that. Like imagine if they took that and like tied it into the lore of Avera, you know? How they would do that, I'd probably take me some time to think of it, but it would be really <laughs> really freaking cool if they did if they made it just a little more immersive than just go talk to this guy who knows all about guilds and then you give him your coin and then, you know, he gives you your your tabard or your um, your crest or whatever. So. so Katie in the chat had an interesting idea here. She said, what if you make a guild, you actually had to complete a multi-part quest with economic, fighting, social, things like that related to the yeah. nodes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I also following up with what she said, you roll a die and depending on what you roll, is how difficult it is to make your guild. 
<laughs> That's just the people. It seems no. a little punishing. The, the, the difficulty comes with the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Don't you worry about the difficulty of managing yeah. a guild. That's Shut built show in. Up. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It has an odd way of showing itself. Uh, so anyway, I think of um, kind of the whole experience that set the tone for me whenever it came to MMOs was SWOTOR. And honestly, from that point on has truly set the course for seriously, like even my friends, my gaming life, all these things. And it started with going back to really what I'm talking about is the importance of guilds right now in communities. But going back to a forum post and it said Old Republic Dads. And I mm. thought this these guys sound awesome, but I can't join. I'm <laughs> not a were. dad. I'm not a d- I that's the only I reason lack the, I, I lack the skill set. <laughs> I literally did not join because I wasn't a dad. I was married, but I wasn't a dad yet. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hold off. So I end up, you know, going through this long wavy loophole of PvP guilds and weird guilds with weird people. <laughs> and then Mognation opens up, I'm like, oh, this doesn't require me to be a dad. I don't even know how I found Mognation, honestly. But I'm like, oh, they they need a new logo. <gasps> I can do that. And I'm just going to march right in there and join. And then I met all of you guys. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You joined Mognation before you joined Old Republic Dads? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You did. So, so just a little bit of history, you guys. And this is all talking about community, trust me. So I was one of the guild leaders of Old Republic Dads. Way, way back in the day with Star Wars, the old Republic. And no, man, we do. We had moms. We had tons of people who were flat out single that <laughs> they were so far from having children. But we still let them not play with legally us. allowed. They were not legally allowed to have children. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that that really is. That's the way that we ended up meeting Jibs is is that. Uh, old Republic dads, once people started peeling off from Star Wars Old Republic, were like, wait, how do we capture these people? These are our friends. We don't like, don't want everybody to ride off in the sunset. We never see them again. So that's when we ended up doing a multi-gaming guild. And that's when we talk about Mog Nation, like that's, that's really where we all came from and where we started, where we started cutting our teeth in, in guild management and, and community leadership um, or guild leadership and community management. But it, um, that's just kind of a little a little piece of our history there. I don't know where I was taking that, so I'm just going to pass the torch off. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, no, I totally just had a senior moment. Now. No, I got you. I got you. It's okay. I had a senior so, moment. <laughs> so, like, fast forward, like, you know, ended up simply because of a gaming community, a, a multiplayer online gaming nation was what that stood for. And I'll never forget, like, it set the tone for all my MMOs. I met all my friends. I met both of you guys. And a laundry list of other people that had I not met Mog Nation, my MMO journey and gameplay would be completely different. Like community absolutely set the tone for my gameplay for the last decade. Now I find myself hardly ever wanting to play a single player game. I struggle playing a single player game. Same. So, okay, let me let me redirect you on this thing. Then what was it about that guild system, JB? Uh, and and those kind of things that you thought worked well and what kind of things did not work well uh, for the guilds and the larger community and things like that that you can relate to suggestions for Ashes or what you'd like to see? 
I think the things are you talking like from like an outside of the game standpoint or in the game standpoint? I'm saying in the game standpoint. So, for example, the kind of things that you experienced in SWOTOR and other gaming experiences afterwards that worked well for you that you'd like to see implemented into Ashes and the kind of things that just didn't really fly for you that, you know, maybe you'd like Ashes to avoid when it comes to guilds. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things and kind of from two different games. When it comes to SWOTOR, the thing that I loved the most was the guild halls. Going into a guild hall, having a place where you can congregate with your guild in an official space. Because, yeah, you can go out in the world, right? And we did, Sonny. I still have that footage, a private video on my YouTube channel from the Thermoply event. When we all got together, it was a gladiator event in Star Wars The Old Republic with Old Republic dads. And we fought. Thermopoly. What'd I say? Oh, my God. Thermopoly, which is okay. <laughs> Come on, sorry. Man. I knew exactly what you're talking about. Thermopoly. Gosh. Uh, all those damn syllables. Right. Anyway, so we- I will give the breakdown of Thermopoly. Thermopoly was an event that we made. It was an in-guild event where we had the, the Thermopoly event for the Spartans was 300 Spartans holding their own against a million Persians, right? So we took, like, I don't know, six or eight of our guildmates and decked them all out in all their gear. And then we had everyone else in the guild naked and they just swarmed into this pit. And it was to see whether or not the six or eight like heavily armored Spartans could hold off swarms of ill-equipped people. And it was the best. It was, it was so much fun. And you have a video of it. I've watched that video and you like you're just running around just slaughtering naked people all yeah. over the place. It's yeah, there's great. naked There's naked people everywhere <laughs> swinging their lightsabers, man. Like it was a good time. So you know like the point being is that you know, yes you can go out in the world and 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 meet with your guild, but having a guild hall, a place where you can congregate truly makes it unique because then that's your own little space. Like how was it decorated? How was it set up? Mm. How are meetings held there? You know, like there's just like this whole list of story that is built out of just having this cool place that is your own. And and, and nobody else can take that from you guys. You know, it's like just very special. Another thing that uh, games did very well was uh, World of Warcraft's calendar system. I love I don't think I've ever talked about this. I love Warcraft's calendar. Like, I'm always bringing that up. Sonny, I hate our personal calendar, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's filled with work assignments. Warforged uh, <laughs> calendar, but I'll be the first to tell you when it comes to Warcraft, I'm all about that thing, and you can make events for your guild in there, and oh... It's the best. That's an inside joke that only we'll ever get. Oh, it got real personal there. Yeah, it did. But, <laughs> but well, let's just tell so the story good. real quick. Sonny made us have a Google Calendar, and he has a bunch of dates and stuff that we have it to show up. It is important. important. Up until Forge. this point, Cash and I have always done everything mental. Like, yeah, okay, boom, we'll do this day, whatever. Sonny comes in. We gotta, we 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 gotta organize this. <laughs> Now we have a manager, <laughs> and we will give him shit about it every chance we oh get. But honestly, goodness. it it has made us so much more um, efficient. Oh, really. absolutely! So we'll, this we'll is fascinating, though. I have never heard you talk about the Warcraft calendar. I'm curious about this. This was a guild feature. In it was Warcraft. A, it's just a game feature, but it, uh, it it can be used for your guild. So when I'm in there, I can make a I can make an event. 
that's for an, for my guild that I can send invites out to. All of that within the guild calendar. So, like, you want to set raid times, for example. Yeah. Yep. Oh. I think that is an absolutely fantastic point to bring up, Jibs. I really do. And I, that, it absolutely trumps anything I was going to talk about because that guild calendar is so valuable to a guild leader to be able to organize things within the game. Now, I know that we have Discord, and if there's any piece of sliced bread that was good for gaming... Discord definitely is it because yeah. there's it is such a wonder. I mean, you guys remember the days of Raid Call and Ventrilo and all these other voice servers that we would way back in my day we <laughs> used Raid Call. Team, was and it like, TeamSpeak? TeamSpeak. Hot four, we used Ventrilo. <laughs> Ventrilo. How do you remember that? <laughs> but those things did not have the integrated stuff that Discord has to just to streamline uh, guilds and communities now and. But if Ashes was to have some type of a calendar system, and we actually we should do a live check on this. Somebody, um, uh, one of these other two people that are in this room with me, maybe as I'm talking, can look up Guild Calendar to see or Calendar in the game to see if that's even a thing. Oh, yeah, but well. if they had some way for guilds to be able to schedule things on an in-game calendar, that would be absolutely like lights out amazing needed feature in some of these games because i i agree that feature in in all kinds of games and in warcraft they do it really really well you know you see in-game events that are coming up you get to look forward to the dark moon festival you get to look forward to time walking events you know that those things are coming up and you can talk about them and plan for them and i, I just think if that something like that was to be in ashes it would just be an excellent step in the right direction for building communities so oddly enough, I'm not able to see anything on a guild calendar yet. Anything I look up, I see release schedule. I see seasonal events, wishing you a loving year, whatever that is. So like, I, I don't I don't see anything yet, but maybe it's there. and I'm just not finding it. Yeah. Calendar events, seasons, event types. I'm not seeing it either. But man, gosh, if, if we could just get that something like that into the game, it'd be fantastic. You know, going back to the point that you made earlier, though, about the guild hall, like that is just so crucial. Um, but the first thing that I thought of was the freehold, right? The freehold to me is almost a guild hall, um, especially if you have a family, because a family is kind of a small guild. So if you have a freehold, you want people to come to your freehold. If you have a guild hall, you want people to spend time in the guild hall. Well, you can only spend so much time in in a few places and you can only really call one home. So I wonder if the freehold doesn't um, kind of take the place of the guild hall. So mm. um, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting balance thing. Um, I'm going to move on to, to something slightly different here. And there was a, there was a question here that I just wanted to, to, to touch base with just for the slightest question here you have in the notes here, the importance of strategic positioning due to no fast travel guilds must strategically position members. And I wonder, do you think that the fact that there is no fast travel will have an effect on guilds? I, I think it depends on the activity. Like, and there, there will be that limited fast travel if they have the scientific node leveled up. But you know, like even with that, like if you're talking like fighting, Yes, that's going to absolutely play a, a major aspect, you know, strategically put 
positioning members. You know, when you talk sending, for instance, caravans, I mean, that's, you know, you're going to need your scouts. You're going to need people way out in front of this caravan, way back behind it, checking out roots. How does this look? Does this look okay? Is there a giant log that screams ambush? You know, like, those are the things that you're going to want to know. And so, yeah, you know, when there's very limited fast travel, you know, strategically strategically placing your members depending on what you're doing can could definitely be important yeah i mean in i think this placement of the guild hall in general is going to be important because guild halls can be destroyed in in a node siege so you know to be able to make it more defendable you're picking certain places for it i think that's that's probably a pretty good idea but when i think of and, and this in particular is with uh, not just guilds, but also with alliance, with guild alliances. You can have up to four guilds in an alliance. So if you were to just think of this strategically, if you have defense of your node and you have four 300 person guilds in an alliance, that is 1200 people. So when I think of this, I think of the, you know, granted, you're probably not going to have 1,200 people like defending. I mean, say even if you even had half of that, it's just absolutely insane to think about yes. the amount of stuff that's going to be going on <laughs> on your screen with 600 people around. But I think of it more from um, like a military perspective where you're going to have your frontline fighters and I, I don't have military experience. But I have experience fighting in games, so it makes me kind of <laughs> not an expert. <laughs> so you're going to have your frontline fighters. You're going to have your range fighters. Like like Jibs was saying, you're going to have your backline where you have you have scouts, like maybe watching enemy enemy movements, and you know just making those callouts live on Discord. Say you have you have a couple of scouts like on each side of the battlefield, and you start to say, hey, you know shift to the west side everybody you know the enemy shifting to the west side to the west side or there's a unit coming from the west side um you're going to have your your healers you're going to have a lot of coordination that's going to need to take place and we we did see some of this in in new world when you took place in in the wars which was pretty darn fun mm. um because those were if you got into the right ones those were incredibly organized and it was very, very fun to watch, you know, units moving in as uh, as a team and units moving out as a team and watching live people peeling off to protect healers. Or you have another unit coming in to protect your healers and your ranged. Those are the things that that I am I'm pulling out of uh, this information that they talk about talking about coordinating positioning and stuff. I think that is really what they're talking about. Firebrand had an excellent point, though. I mean, you saw that in New World where you had alliances and they kind of, you know, really ran the show. And if you have a server that's 10,000 max and you have 300 person guilds and four alliances, that's somewhere around 12 to 15 percent of an entire server in one alliance. That, if it was well coordinated, could really run a show, you know. Like they could they could do a lot of work. But again, like you I mean, like that point was in, in the notes there, that strategic positioning, it all comes down to like the the guild management and the styles of it and like how you're going to actually accomplish this and how effective you are at doing it. You know, you could have a million people. You can have three hundred person guilds and four alliances filled with three hundred person guilds of a poorly run guild system and it's not gonna do great. 
Or you could have 50 Spartans and off they go and they wreck shop. I think we should mention, though, that the um, the benefits to a smaller guild or I know we kind of glanced over it, but I think it, it's a massive issue. The benefits to having a smaller guild versus the benefits to having a larger guild. Jibs? Well, I don't have that list in front of me, but I will say that it, I think it's going to come down to what is. Uh, so I'm going to backtrack out of the game for a second. Like, what is your community? What is your guild going to be meant to do? I think when it comes to Loreforged, at least, you know, and we've set nothing in stone for what we're doing yet for our guild. But, you know, if we were to take the full max of 300 people, because of the type of community that we are, we're not necessarily a focused community, like on a particular aspect, at least right now, of in-game things. You know, like some people are making mercenary guilds, which I think I think that is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Mm. I love it. Yeah. You know, other people are making trading guilds. You know, like with us, it's it's more about that whole entire communal experience. So for us, I see us more relying on on alliances, which is a whole nother conversation entirely. So my point being is this, it's it comes down to whenever you have those larger numbers, yes, you're going to basically forsake having all of those wonderful bonuses and benefits that smaller guilds will have. But you'll also be able to do, I believe it's sieges. They say that they can they can do really well with those larger guilds. Like that's where they really they really do shine. Just raw numbers, right? Raw numbers yeah. taking it's over a, a castle. It's yeah. a zerk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Larger guilds can siege fortresses, but don't have access to power boost and guild ability slots. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and th- and that's the thing, right? So they're they're building this game with that as probably what I would call, and you might disagree with me. That seems to be the core concept of the guild implementation in ashes of creation small guilds get bonuses large guilds get numbers and and you have to balance the two of those things if you want to be a 50 person guild you have access to the full tree and you have the ability to put on some awesome stuff and and be you know spartans if you have the 300 person guild well guess what you're persians and so you are just going to overwhelm uh with raw numbers uh it'll be it'll be interesting but that that i think is in my opinion the defining feature of guilds for ashes of creation how do you think you're going to stop a larger community from just making a bunch of small guilds under the same banner that's a great question. You know, like a well-coordinated group of 50 people max guilds. Yes, and I'm not going to lie. We have considered this. Yeah. We absolutely have considered this all the way up until I did some research on it and found a quote from Stephen Sharif. <laughs> what was it? Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. <laughs> okay, so Stephen says, will the largest guilds segment off into different chapters of their guild that are part of small guilds? Absolutely, that will happen. And the way that we will combat the efficacy of doing that always is through how we design our encounters and our events to incorporate the use case of where smaller guilds and their passive abilities are necessary to overcome certain challenge ratings. Will it always be the most beneficial for larger guilds to do that? No, not always. It depends on what they're encountering, but you absolutely will see some guilds leveraging that for sure. That's a tough one to legislate. Yeah. Yes. 
very tough because people are absolutely going to do that. And like, I'm not going to say that Loreforged isn't going to do that because we're probably going to go with the larger style guild. But are we going to separate it out into different units per se? You know, maybe with specializations. Like, what if you, maybe one will all be crafters? Well, I mean, think about it. Like, you for know? us, back, think of Lore Seekers back in Elder Scrolls Online. We had two full guilds plus an extra overload guild. I think it's how it yeah. was. But, I mean, like, it was yeah. just, we had a waiting guild. We had at least one full guild. I mean, it just, it's like when you can do something like that and everyone be under the same banner, it kind of makes sense when you are trying to house a large amount of people. You Not, had an obscene amount of people. It was that stupid. were under that that Lord Seeker's it was banner. Stupid, dude. There was just so many people, and they just kept coming. <laughs> so it's like, what do you do? You don't want to turn them away. I mean, from a content creator standpoint, like you don't want to turn people away. You want to, you no. know, you want them to. You want the peoples. You want the. You know, we want them to have a great gaming experience. And so it's like, okay, how do you how do you house that? You know, can I tell you? It's all how you run your community. Yeah, it really, it truly, it truly is. And like, I hate yep. to segue off to it, but um, there's a lot that goes into making all of these amazing features that Ashes of Creation is going to have with guilds and alliances. There is a way to make all that work. And I'm um, like, that's leadership. And I think people underestimate I think a lot of people underestimate when you're when you're making a guild, unless you're just doing like a guild just so it's, you know, a shell so you can have all your friends in one spot. Um, if you truly want to get the most out of this guild experience and have like, you know, say you have 300 people in your guild, it's it's going to take stuff. It's going to take a, a lot of different things in order to, to like properly build your community. Do you guys want to get into it or because that's that's like, a, I mean, we could. So. I'll just like very briefly kind of address this. And and you're right. You know, Cash and I both are in the fire service. And one of the things in the fire service is that leadership is an educational thing, right? There you can learn about leadership. And this is an industry that's been around for hundreds of years. And so they've tried all sorts of different models inside of it. And some work well in some in certain situations and some work well in other situations and some just don't work. And guilds for me are a fantastic sort of boiler room testing opportunity for some of these things. We've all been in guilds and we've all seen them run in different ways. You could run something democratically where everybody gets an equal vote on things. You could run it more like an empire where, you know, there's a person at the top. You A very popular thing that I know that we've done in the past is these sort of guild councils where you have like a... a like 10 of the council elders and they meet and they sort of listen to the people and then they make a decision and they just hand it down on stone tablets for everyone to abide by. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think that the, one of the, the hallmarks of MMOs is that it is just easier to have a leadership system where we just tell the people what the rules are. The democratic thing is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but the democratic thing is probably the hardest to pull off in a guild like this. It is, it is far more effective, in my opinion, to have one 
or a small group of people that just are the identity of the guild and say, this is what the rules are. If you have a problem with the rules, bring it up. We're happy to take a look at it. But we are ultimately going to decide. And if it's if it's not a decision you like, there's going to be another guild for you somewhere else. And and it's like a, that's a whole leadership philosophy right there. It is that that is that is the classic council manager style of of leading things. You have a council who who's you know speaks for the people. They gather the information. They and they bring it to the manager or managers of said organization. And that's how that's how things are are decided upon. I really think, and I'm just I'm going to throw this out there live right now on the show like we could totally cover this um you know building communities and like some best practices for for doing that um we can cover it right now but we would be on the show for at least another hour Mm. i think this topic this topic in particular almost like a how-to or experiences that we've had because i i don't claim to have a whole lot of experience in in many things but holy crap, do we have a lot of experience in running communities. And I think that that is worth its own show. I agree. I think we should oh, table God, that yes. one. Yeah. No, you yeah. can't. You can't knock this one out in five minutes at the end of this show. Right. No. But what we can do is we can if there are folks that we can make this beneficial for everybody on a future show to where we can share our experiences some and some of our best practices. Number one, if you're interested in creating a community or, or running a guild um, within Ashes of Creation or any game. And on the flip side, for the people who just like want to show up to a well-organized thing and and play, we can they can kind of pick up some tips of what to look for in a good guild when you're first showing up. Because there really is a, a lot of things uh, that you, you should look for, some certain cues that you would want to see from, from a guild leadership if you were going to join in order to maximize your experience. So you don't have to guild hop. JB started the show saying that, right? Like he was looking through the forums, looking for guilds, right? And so he picked one, you know, and that's the thing is that you're going to look through these things and you're just going to pick one that looks like something that might fit for you. So think about like the decision-making process that that is and the advertising from the guild itself. You know, you're, you're having to entice somebody to come in and buy into your philosophy. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a topic that is, that is enormous and deep and fun and there's all sorts of stuff this will be a whole show unto itself just think guys if i hadn't chose old Old republic dads and met you guys i probably would have no gray hair i probably would still have have my hair much hair i probably could (laughs) see better like just better vision maybe 2020 i don't know just throwing it out there you'd be elon musk you'd be be building (laughs) teslas (laughs) you would have a freaking head of hair like a nighttime news correspondent pal George Clooney building Tesla. Oh, that's 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 right. Well, on a serious note, so let's bring this community episode back when we. Uh, so not next week because, like we said, we'll be gone. But the following week, so the the December fourth release show. That show will we will be um, on that Monday. We'll be discussing community. So while you all are here, send us whether it's an email or call us or comment on our YouTube videos. Kind of like what Cash was saying. Like a place to put what he was saying. So like questions, things that you like, why are you interested in? You want to do this? Like, what's this look like? Like, what are some things to avoid? They're right. Cash is right. If there's anything (laughs) 
I feel like we've been around in for a long time. It's definitely community. And so uh, I would love to truthfully, and I'm glad that you you guys both said this, you know, just giving this its own episode, because truthfully, like, I feel like easy we could go another hour, probably an hour and a half at least, just talking community. I, need, I didn't even realize we we're like up to time already. So I don't think there's anything in our lives and I'm going to I'm going to caveat this by saying mostly your two lives that has been both the biggest reward and the greatest pain as guild management. <laughs> in oh yeah. Guildmaster yes, online. I've had so many conversations with both of you at length at the best of times and the worst of times yeah. in in guild management and yep. um I really, I really do think that we could make it a very beneficial, um, I don't want to call it a tutorial, but like a beneficial thing for, for people who are interested in, in doing it. And for people who are interested in, in joining guilds in the game, I really think that we have some, some good insight there and we could, we could really make a amazing discussion on it. So yeah, tabled. That'd, that'd be fun. I'd love to see truthfully their questions and what they bring. It's probably a lot of stuff we don't even think about, but. Yeah. Anyway, well, hey, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This was Loreforged episode 16. Gentlemen, we're on the back half to 20 now. Uh, so anyway, if you enjoy the show, let us know how we're doing. We certainly do appreciate it. If you just take a couple moments, whatever podcast app you are using, if you're listening on through RSS feeds, leave us a review. Tell us what you think, what you like us, what you want to see, maybe us do on the show. If you're on YouTube, which I'll, oddly enough, a lot of our audience a lot of our audience watches on YouTube. So let us know how we're doing in the comments. You know, is there something like, hey, you should check out this or do this or tell a friend about the show, like, subscribe, all the fun things. But anyway, we have a five-star review here from KB451286. Goodness, it's like a clone trooper it's name. a lot of it. numbers. It is a lot of numbers. <laughs> Very formidable. TK421. <laughs> TK421 is not on his post. post. He's leaving iTunes reviews. <laughs> TK1, why are you not at your post? I'm leaving an iTunes review. <laughs> Will you leave me alone, for God's I'm, sakes? I'm fine. Everything's fine. How are you? <laughs> why are you up my butt all the time? <laughs> oh, uh, KB's from the USA and says, I am learning so much about this awesome game. I pre-ordered it in 2019 and sort of forgot about it. But, and now getting pumped again, I am thinking of upgrading to Alpha 2 package because this podcast is really highlighting so many neat things. Keep it up. KB, thank you so much. That's awesome. Love awesome. It. Thank you. Yep. Uh, I love thank that. Thank you. And do it. Do it. Do it. By the way, if you guys are thinking about getting into Alpha 2, you got to do it quickly because <laughs> it's, go- is it not already? Oh, it's is done. It gone away? It's gone away. It's already gone. Gone away. Oh, crap. Uh-oh. Well... I'm sure there'll be Sorry some prizes on <laughs> streams and stuff. There's going to be giveaways. Like, wow, that date has if already come If you can build a time machine, you should consider doing that. There you <laughs> go. But I do know that they are, um, they're giving stuff out. Like they gave a bunch away on their Extra Life, um, on their Extra Life stream, Intrepid did. So you should be able to um, just keep an eye out for some of those giveaways and get a chance. Hey, KP's in chat too. That's awesome. Hey, cool. Thank you. Yeah, so you can also call us 516-875-1776 Keep your voicemails around a minute or less If you want to play it on the show And of course you can email us 
LoveForceHQ at gmail.com. Sunny Ravencourt. Goldwood says that January 17th is the last day, so it's apparently still open. Also, I'm going to retract that and say that if you could build a time machine, don't go back and order an alpha key. Just fast forward until the time the game's actually out. That's a much better idea. Anyways, no, it's way better. I go back and get like sports scores and bet on them. Oh, that's Come on, true. Sonny. Yeah, Cubs win. Cubs win. What kind of Cubs bookie win. are you? Cubs win. Cubs win. Yeah. yeah. What am I talking about? Stop playing games. Start betting on horses. Go to the ponies. Uh, you can go to the website. Visit loreforge.com to find links to all of our ashes of creation comments. Pardon me. Content content not comments okay where are we here youtube find all of the stuff on youtube i hardly even have to say that because like jb said everybody is watching us on youtube and even consuming the podcast on youtube we're well, old men everybody and we, we didn't see that coming either so this is kind of new territory for us um but we do put an awful lot of effort into our youtube uh thing and it is a lot of fun for us twitch you're watching on Twitch right now. Twitch.tv slash HQ. Also, I do a lot of streaming during the week, having fun under the Ashes of Creation banner, just kind of playing whatever games and we talk Ashes. It's a good time. And finally, Patreon. You can get all of our content early and much, much more, including the State of the Owl, which is our uh, sort of after dark behind the scenes. Just have some fun episode. And that is at patreon.com slash loreforgedhq cash. State of the owl, the show where we use the F word. <laughs> the only thing. It's the only difference. Just constantly. An hour well, straight. <laughs> maybe the heathen of this. Maybe the heathen of this tricycle does. You're pretty much. You're you're just leading the way on that one. Yeah, I'm kind of am. My my uh my my count is up way further than you guys. Anyway, folks, if you want we to should join have a us, scoreboard. <laughs> we really should, and we should drop a quarter every single time I say the f word. Curse jar. <laughs> Love it. Curse jar. Uh, folks, if you're interested in joining our community, we have a we have a really cool Discord community that's brewing, and it's not just for for players; it's for content creators. Um, it, you don't have to be a part of our guild; you can be a part of other guilds. We literally have a dwarf guild. We have members of a dwarf guild in our community, and they are in character all the time. All I'll the say time. it a all the time. billion more times. We absolutely freaking love it. It's just hilarious. So anyway, join our Discord community. We do have a couple new members that I want to shout out this week. Nuclear Tango and Friendly Zombie. I think they're both in chat right now. Thank you. I definitely know Friendly Zombie is. Thank you for um, for showing up and hanging out with us. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us to get that interaction with our community members. As we continue to build this Discord, it is wide open, but we will be turning this into our Ashes of Creation guild in the future. And we have some really kick-ass ideas so um yeah join us there and uh, you can find that on uh if you go to our website at our link tree is at loreforged.com anyway follow us on twitter jibs is at jibs irl i am at cash quests sunny is at you of coruscant and don't forget to follow the show at loreforged hq before I pass this off, a couple, couple little notes here. We are still fundraising for Extra Life Friends until the end of the year, and we do still have some uh, some funds uh, being raised here. They keep trickling in, so it's pretty cool. And then Sunny, Sunny recently did an episode of The Golden Feather. 
I so that did. one is going to be coming out in the in the near future, and we look forward to seeing him on with um, with the folks uh, over there. It's in a tavern. Like, what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, it's great. It's true. Get, get drunk and fall off a bar stool. That's right. <laughs> it's about Pretty the worst that can happen. Hey, Toss uh, you out into the alley. <laughs> oh, yes. goodness. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, we will see you back here on December 4th. We're taking next week off. Send us your questions on community, fun comments, maybe experiences you've had. We want to chat about it on the next Lore Forge live recording. Take care, everyone. Have a good one. Peace, love, and honeybees. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. If you're in the U.S. and you celebrate, happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful time with your family and safe travels adventures.